Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. I'm thankful to be up here again and teaching you guys God's Word. I'm thankful that God's set me here to do this. Uh, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do, but you know, when God calls you to do something, you got to do it no matter how easy or how hard it is. You just got to do it because God said do it. So if you guys want to join me in a word of prayer, uh, I would appreciate it so we can ask the Lord to help us with understanding and everything. And then I'll uh, get to our thoughts from last week's message and where we're at in today's scripture. So please join me, Lord. Thank you for bringing us here today, Lord. Thank you for for your reality, Lord. Thank you for your existence. Thank you, Lord, for the truths of you, Lord, and how those truths are so awesome and amazing. And you don't hide them, Lord. They're out there for everybody to see. Whether or not people really want to look at it or realize it or not, Lord, they're out there for everybody to see. You made all things, and all things exist supernaturally, Lord, without any understanding of how they are the way they are, Lord. And that is just such an awesome, awesome, awesome witness of who you really are and that you're really there. I thank you, Lord God, for uh, your word and your Holy Spirit that leads us in all truth, as we talked about some time back. And that's what your word says, that your Holy Spirit leads your children in all truth. Thank you, Lord, for your great love and your great mercy. And Lord, I just pray that you'd bless this time of, of service to you, Lord, this time of study. I pray that uh, whoever's listening out there all over the world, Lord God, I pray that they would learn today from your word. And how, I pray you'd help them to understand, Lord, not by my mouth, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would reveal things to the peoples that I'm speaking to, Lord, whoever they may be on SoundCloud and all over the world and in my own home too, Lord. I pray your Holy Spirit would teach us all. And lead us in the right way and teach us the right and true things about your word and about you. So we thank you and we love you and we praise you. And we just ask all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So today we're going to be in 1 John chapter 3. Starting a new chapter today. 1 John chapter 3 verses 1 through 3. Just a few, church, just a few verses but lots of other scriptures through the Bible that we'll be reading. Uh, if you guys want to turn there while I'm reading my thoughts from last week's message here, or you guys can read along with me, or I should say just listen along and then we'll read. Uh, my thoughts from last week's message, only if you continue to abide. So last week in my sermon, I read you the command of the Apostle John to Christians of his day to let the truths of Jesus, the Christ, that they had heard from the beginning of knowing the disciples, abide in them. And John said this, in light of, remember, the fact that there were many little antichrists that had come. On this idea and many others, I primary, primarily focused my sermon on how a Christian's salvation is dependent on if they continue to endure and be faithful to and abide in Jesus the Christ until death or Christ comes again. Now, in case you didn't know this, but most Christians throughout the whole world do not av- agree with my view on this scripture. Most believe that once the person's all, once a person is saved, so they become born again, a child of God, then they're always a child of God, and nothing they do can change that. Nothing they do or say or whatever, they stop believing or whatever, nothing they do can change the fact of, hey, I've been saved, and so I'm saved, and I'm good to go. In fact, just a handful of people I even know 
believe it, believe as I do that you must continue to endure, as I taught last week, what I see in the Bible. Well, so if you don't agree with me and what I taught last week, I'm sorry, but we can agree to disagree. But if you don't agree with me, I challenge you to answer these questions. Number one, if a saved person can't be deceived to walk away from Jesus Christ and lose their salvation, why did John write this command in verse 24 to these Christians in light of, as verse 26 tells us, the, the little a antichrist that had come then and are still coming today? Number two, John said in verse 28, And now little children abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before his coming. Well, why would a saved person that is securely saved with no chance of losing their salvation be ashamed at Jesus Christ's coming? The whole idea of that verse was that now little children, he's speaking to Christians. Why would a saved, secured, saved person be ashamed at his coming if they're really saved? Remember Jesus, Matthew 25, he gave the parable of the talents, and in the parable two people make it to heaven and hear Jesus Christ say, Well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord, while one person didn't get to go to heaven and heard it cast that unprofitable servant into the outer darkness, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But yet all three... Jesus called his own servants. And biblically, we know that only the saved are God's own servants. Yet again, only two of God's own servants got to go to heaven, while the other one didn't. If people once saved are saved no matter what permanently, how did that saved person, that God's own servant, not get to go to heaven? In my overview of the sermon last week, I asked people to take a listen to the message and leave a comment. Well, nobody left one comment, and I know darn well that all the people that listened to me didn't agree with what I taught. Yet how is it that nobody left me a rebuttal? If you don't agree with me and can show me my error, and you can answer these questions I've asked today and I taught last week, please do and comment on SoundCloud or call me. My phone number's online. You just got to go to gospelsavingchurch.com, and I'd love to talk about it. But if you can't answer these questions, or you're like, well, I've never seen that stuff before, then please consider who is in need of correction, me or you. I know one thing. If I and you, whoever you may be listening to me out there, continue on the path of salvation, continue on the path of true, you know, abiding in Christ, with Christ, I and, and you will be confident at our deaths, at, and that is coming, whichever comes first, that we'll get to go to heaven when we die. But if you're not, will you? To me, I see one saved, always saved, as a license to sin and have a big thumbs up to live whatever type of sinful life you want to because guess what? Hey, if I'm saved and no matter what I can do, I'm going to heaven anyway, then what does it matter what kind of holy lifestyle that I live for God? Yet the scripture commands Christians to be holy, as Peter said, be holy for I am holy, God speaking, in all your conduct. In God's word, I see that a saved person is supposed to live a truly holy and surrendered life unto Christ, following his ways and trusting in him with all their hearts, continuing their, continuing in their faith in him until they die. And if a Christian drops out of these ways and this faith, they're not going to go to heaven when they die because they, they're not going to be saved anymore. Well, anyway, 
I'd love to hear from you on this topic, especially if you believe in once saved, always saved, unconditionally. Now, if you do believe once saved, always saved, and, and, and you're a Calvinist, especially in the whole Calvinism as a whole, what type of life do you live? What type of sin do you allow in your life willfully? Because you're saved, you know, because you can't lose it. Is living a holy life to God something that you strive towards daily? And lastly, if you believe yourself a Christian and believe in once saved, always saved, are you on the path of daily surrender to Christ, striving to walk in His ways, trusting in Him with all your heart? I certainly hope so, because the Bible says only these types of people who remain this way until they die will inherit eternal life. All right. Well, praise God. Let's switch gears. Let's get on to our new sermon for today. Our title of our new sermon is here, The Spiritual Children of God. 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Title, The Spiritual Children of God. 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3 says this. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as He is pure. Today, as I said earlier, we have a new chapter. Yay! But that's not all. We have a new subject to begin this chapter with. John starts out there in the first part of verse 1 by telling all whom God has redeemed and made born again. He says this, Behold, I love that word, behold. He's asking us to look upon it. And I'll ask you to look upon that too. Think about that, behold. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. He passionately reminds the redeemed, even those of us who have been redeemed today, of God's great love that He's poured out upon us, and the amazing title and privilege of being God's child. Today, I want to share one powerful aspect of God's great love with you, since John talks about God's great love here. And I'll start off by talking about that great love of God by pointing one thing out to you. Do you realize just how evil mankind really is? God was just showing me this week at one of my jobs that I work, and he actually just showed me this morning on TV as I was watching a news clip of a, a very awesome rescue that somebody did in Louisiana with all the flooding there. He showed me this as, this week as I was thinking of how hard it was to genuinely love the customers that I serve on a daily basis. Generally, people are, even as I saw this morning with this awesome rescue, People are, even the ones I deal with daily, selfish. It's all about me. People are ignorant. They don't care. As long as it benefits them, they're all right. They're rude. They're not generally nice. People, I opened the door for somebody on my vacation a couple weeks back. I opened the door for them and they walked in. They didn't say hi to me. 
My wife was walking through the gas station with my son last week, and she went to get him a drink while we were waiting for him in the car, and some young kid that had his earphones in walked right by her and bumped her as she was walking by. He didn't even say a word. Didn't say th- Didn't say, I'm sorry. Didn't look at her. Didn't say, rude. People as a whole are hateful. I mean, just drive on the road in the Texas area here. I don't know where you live, but people are hateful. He will cut you off and 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 slow down. And and, and if you're they're not going, you're not going as fast as they want. Oh, they road rage you. People are prideful. People are idolatrous. People live for money and have things that they just surround themselves with. They're self-centered. They're mean. They're foul-mouthed and they're filthy-minded. And another thing they are, which is worse, I see it almost every day at my job, is they're in love with money. (laughs) Now, those aren't really some good characteristics. In fact, those are some really bad characteristics of humanity, right? Why do I mention here how evil people are in talking about God's great love? That's a good question, right? Because this is why. In how evil people are, we see the incredible depth of God's great love. How you say, Pastor? I don't understand. Look at this. God chooses humanity for salvation in spite of how evil and rebellious against Him that they are. In spite of how hateful, prideful, idolatrous, self-centered, mean, foul-mouthed, filthy-minded, and in love with money. This, this rescue I saw this morning just on TV. This man could have lost his life himself. He dives into this rushing water. This lady's drowning in her car. He rips open her back window. He saves her. He brings her up out of the water. Nothing about how she's saved. Nothing about how she's rescued. She starts swearing about why he didn't rescue her dog. And in this great love, and as I came back and sat down, I thought to myself, how evil are people really? And God said to me, that's right, Ed. You're going to talk about that today. And you know what? Even though she's that evil, I love her and I want to save her. Wow. Talk about God's great love. He chooses humanity for salvation in spite of how evil and rebellious people are against him. Let that soak in. Whether you're saved listening to me or whether you're not saved listening to me today, God loves you whether you love him back or not. Whether you're a Satanist, whether you're an atheist, whether you're whatever, God loves you. Wow. This, to me, this kind of love is mind-blowing. So mind-blowing, I can't even comprehend it. Because when people are mean to me, when people are rude to me, when people are in love with money and they're lashing out at me because I'm not doing what they want with that money at my job, my first initial response is not, oh, I sure love them. No. My first fleshly response is, oh, right? But God, he says, I love that person. I love them. Wow! I don't even comprehend it. So in spite of how evil and rebellious people are, God desires us to be saved. God desires us to be in a relationship with Him. And He offers us this great love moment by moment, day by day. And 
when anyone responds to his love and accepts the relationship he offers, on his terms, of course, he saves them and changes their hearts and makes them new, cre- makes them new creatures and gives us the ability to love. And you know what? We don't deserve it, not one bit. We don't deserve not even one hair of that great love. That's great love. Wow. But that's not all God does when he saves and redeems people. He does the second thing that John mentions here in this scripture. Notice there what he said? He makes us his children. Spiritual children, that is. That's where our title comes from today. Everybody is a physical child of God. And you may be saying, well, well, Jesus said that. that." No, no, no. Hey, everybody's a spiritual child of God. For he gives life and breath and all things to all people. Acts chapter 17. God made everybody. So because God made everybody and the devil can't create people, everybody is a physical child of God, meaning everybody kind of is related because, you know, God made Adam and Eve, and so, hey, people are physical child of God. But when God saves or redeems people from death, he makes them his spiritual child. It's different than being a physical child. And with this privilege and honor, people become reborn of God's seed by his Holy Spirit. Not like Jesus and Mary or anything, but a spiritual thing. And with this redemption comes the forgiveness of our sins now and the right to go to heaven when we die. Wow, that's awesome. Being a spiritual child of God is awesome. Just how great is becoming a spiritual child of God that God grants to those who he redeems? Well, it's not like an old religious thought of what happens to people when they die. You may have thought this before in the past. You may have even been taught this when you were younger. Uh, but they, the thought is, is that people, when they die, could become angels. Well, according to the Bible, I'm going to give you a shocker here. According to the Bible, this is a ridiculous and false evil teaching and really a slap in the face and a downgrade from becoming a spiritual child of God. Yes, that's right. Listen to me again. <coughs> Excuse me. A person becoming an angel at death is a ridiculous and evil false teaching and a slap in the face to those whom God redeems and makes his spiritual children. Don't make the mistake with what the Bible says about God's spiritual children and God's awesome angels. Jesus says on this matter, that when a God's spiritual child dies, they become like the angels in Matthew twenty two thirty. 30. Not they become angels. We become like them, meaning we kind of get a spiritual body kind of like their spiritual body, their heavenly body that they have. Not that we become angels. So how great is this becoming a spiritual child of God above even God's awesome angels? Look at this first thing that God tells us in the scripture. 1 Corinthians 6.3. Paul is addressing the church in Corinth and he's addressing problems there. The believers there had gotten into some disputes amongst one another. And instead of just going to the church elders and the Christians in the church there that were the leaders of the church, they were going to outside sources. They were going to the law and asking the law to solve their, their disputes that they were having amongst one another. And Paul, in rebuking them for this, he says, hey, wait a minute, those people are of the outside world. Hey, you know, we're, let's, let's take care of this business as long as it's believers amongst the leaders here, the God's, you know, God's children that are leading here. And in this, he says this, he says, as he's rebuking them, do you not know that we, meaning Christians, shall judge angels? 
1 Corinthians 6.3. What does that mean? That means that when we go to be in heaven forever with God, at, at, at the very end when everything's all said and done, we're living in heaven with God forever, we will be kind of in charge of the angels. If they do something wrong or if they're in need of correction or something, then we will be judging them. We'll be saying, hey, no, this, that, and the other thing. Hey, no, no, no. So we, as God's spiritual children, will judge God's own very angels. Wow. But if you think that's cool, it actually gets even more awesome than that. Revelations 1, 5, and 6 tells us who will really be once God's spiritual children die and to go to heaven forever after Christ comes back and all that. He says this, To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, speaking of Christ, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. So a spiritual child of God, when they die, becomes only like an angel in form, but judges angels. But unlike angels, we become royalty. Did you hear me again? We become royalty, spiritual royalty related to God himself. The angels aren't related to God. God just made the angels. When people become spiritual children of God, we become related to God, royal people, uh, and, and not just to anybody. We become royalty and holy people to the King of kings and the Lord of all creation. Wow. Angels, you see, They'll always only be God's servants, not his supernaturally, spiritual, royal, and priestly children. That's not the only time Jesus ever spoke about this concept, by the way. Matthew chapter 25, I know we read about it before in our overview, but remember the parable of the talents. And remember had the three servants. One got five talents, one got three talents, and one got one talent, right? Well, at the very end, when the Lord comes back, represents Jesus coming back, He says to the one five, hey, well done. Hey, here's your five. He says to the Lord, hey, I give you another five too. So I made the 10 total. I got 10 total. The Lord says, which is Jesus, hey, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And guess what else he tells him? It's a prelude. It's little things like this in scripture that God shows me that I'm like, wow, God, that's awesome. God says there, Jesus says there what he's going to say. I will make you ruler over many things. Well, a king puts in charge his children as rulers. So there, even though Jesus didn't talk about kings and priests, he said that he's going to make us that endure in Christ and that are born again, that endure to the end, to make us rulers. So his kids were his kids, spiritual kids, were going to become rulers because we're kings and priests to the King of kings and the Lord of lords in all creation. Isn't that awesome? That is awesome, awesome, awesome news. So amazing is this news that I just shared with you. I wish that I could stop this message right here. But believe it or not, but that was just the first part of verse 1. That was just like the first sentence or so of verse 1. There's still another half of verse 1 that I want to go over, that I have to read, that we have to talk about. So let's read the rest of verse 1. John says, Therefore, the world does not know us. Meaning, so because we became God's spiritual children, therefore the world does not know us. 
because it did not know him. Okay, so Jesus spoke about this in, in the Gospel of John, chapters 15 and 16, talking about being born from above versus being born of the world. Just a, just a real quick idea on that. You know, when somebody's supernaturally born, they're born from heaven. And then the people that aren't, they're born of the earth. And so it's a spiritual thing versus a physical thing. And so Jesus just said, or John just said here, the world does not know us because it did not know them. So now, sadly, in light of the good news I just gave you, this becoming a spiritual child of God and all, it, unfortunately, it comes at a price. And it's not an exciting price either, according to what John just wrote in this verse. You see, when God redeems a person and makes them his spiritual child, they become born again and changed into a different person, and they become different from the majority of those on planet Earth. The spiritual child of God is no longer of this world. Jesus Christ says this in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verses 14, or verse 14. And you could say <clears throat> that when you're born again and you're a child of God, a spiritual child of God, you could say that you're really an alien on this world and you're really a stranger in this land because the Bible says that this is no longer our home. And you may feel like that if you're out there listening to me right now and you have been saved and you're on a path when you're walking with God. You, like I do often, I look around and I, and I look at all the things and the evil and I go, I don't belong here anymore. This, this, wh- why am I here still? This place is so evil. I, I don't even want to be here anymore. And then you yearn, as I do often, I yearn, oh God. When, when am I going to get to go to heaven? Oh, Lord, you know, I, I, this world is not my home anymore. It's not my place anymore. And this is where this comes from, that this is a yearning in my spirit that comes from the fact that I'm a child of a spiritual child of God now, and I'm not of this world anymore. And you see, those born of the earth only, they can't comprehend or understand what happens to a person who becomes a spiritual born-again child of God, for this is a spiritual concept which they cannot understand. The Bible says that if you're physical, the, the flesh cannot understand the things of the Spirit. So physical people can't understand you to become a child of God. When a person becomes born again, a spiritual child of God, they are, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And the sad part about this is that many times the children only born of the world will stay away or get away from the spiritual child of God who is born from above because of their spiritual and lifestyle changes and because they don't understand them anymore. Many times this means that these who were your friends, usually in the sinful practice that you practice, now decide not to be your friends anymore and abandon you like a piece of trash. This can be very hard to deal with as it has been for many Christians, depending on how long the people that are abandoning you are, have left you and they were your friends. Peter says this in 1 Peter 4, verses 3 through 4, For you have spent enough of our, for we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they, which would be the people you knew, the friends that you had, think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. 
So sad and hard of a reality as this is for a saved person many times after someone becomes a spiritual child of God and their, their friends leave them and speak evil of them and they you know, get away from them. They are sorry they chose Christ and they choose to go back to their friends and away from Christ and back to spiritual death really is what the Bible says. So Christians, beware of this. Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 13. It's the second seed, those who face persecution because of the world. They stopped, they, their, their seed died. Sons and daughters of God, if a friend deserts you over you finding Jesus Christ and being a spiritual child of God, then you got to let them go. If they don't want Christ, then you don't want them. Now, as hard as the people of the world not knowing you nor understanding you is, and then you losing your friends and them not understanding you and the friends leaving you because of Jesus Christ, John brings our perspective back to the heavenly one. And really, Christians, this is where our perspective needs to be anyway. Look at verse 2. He says this, Beloved, now we are children of God. And what did I just say? We become royalty to God the moment we are redeemed. Spiritual children of God. And he goes on, and it has not been revealed what we shall be. And so this may come as a shock to you, which it was kind of to me some time ago. No person knows exactly what type of spiritual or you know heavenly body form that we're going to be in in God's kingdom. We know that we're going to kind of look like we do now, because that's what we see. When Jesus came back, they noticed, they recognized him as Jesus. He wasn't the Jesus that was crucified on the cross. He didn't have all the whip marks. He did still have the holes in his hands and his feet and his side. And they did recognize him as Jesus, but not, it wasn't right away even. They kind of like the spirit had to reveal to him. And so yeah, they recognized him. But he wasn't, quite, and then nobody really knew, was he physical, real holy? Because we know the Bible says no, nothing physical can enter the kingdom of God. Or was he totally spiritual, supernatural? No, he wasn't that either. So what kind? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. But we know, John goes on to say, that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Wow, so we're going to turn into kind of whatever he became after he was resurrected, we're going to become that too. Here, John is not talking about the redeemed child of God who uh, dies before Jesus Christ is revealed. Bible says that the saved who die before Christ is revealed is immediately in God's presence. And they're there in spirit and soul. So it, it, all, your, all your relatives that you know that really love the Lord, that they die, they're not waiting on anything. They died and Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 5, 8, for to be absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord. So when you die, even if we die today, and Christ doesn't come back today, we, we die, boom, we go right from this presence to right in the presence of God Almighty. That's what we do. So what does John mean by saying, when Jesus is revealed, we shall be like him? He's speaking of the second coming of Christ and the first resurrection from the dead that Paul describes in both uh, in detail in both 2 Thessalonians 1 and 1 Corinthians 15. 2 Thessalonians 1, 6 and 7 says this, since, is it a, since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. So at that point when Jesus is revealed from heaven, we're going to be caught up with God as 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 53 tells us. Now this I say, brethren, this is Paul now, 
uh, as Second Thessalonians. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit in corruption. Because we're in corruption now, and heaven is in corruption. Behold, he says, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but, but there it means die. We shall not all die, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, when this is when Jesus Christ is revealed from heaven, at this last trumpet, that's when Christ is coming back, his second coming. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruption must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So as you see, at a time, Christ is coming back with his angels. He's going to judge the world. He's going to resurrect all those in the first resurrection that are his. All the spiritual children of God, but not just the souls and the spirit, because we'll already be there. But he'll, 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 the, the spiritual child of God who dies now goes into the presence of the Lord, soul and spirit. But at his Christ's second coming when it's revealed from heaven, Christ will bring up the remains of the bodies of these who have died. So our bodies will be kind of reunited with our souls, along with those who are redeemed who are still alive. But we'll just be caught up, and as Paul said there, we'll be changed. We're not going to, this, this physical, fleshly, sinful body can't inherit God's kingdom. So we'll be changed. As John says, we don't know what we'll be changed into just yet, but we'll all be changed. We'll all be caught up together with Christ in the air. And we'll live in our new resurrected bodies, which we don't know what they are now, in eternity with God forever and with Jesus Christ forever. Totally awesome news all around for God's spiritual children. John ends this section with verse 3. Let's read it. He says this, And everyone who has this hope in him, which would be Jesus Christ, so everyone who has their hope, in a sense, in Jesus Christ, purifies himself just as he is pure. Notice the word purifies there, right? This is an active verb in Scripture. So it means that as you continue to hope in Christ, you are continually made perfect in God's eyes. So John is saying there that if we continue to set our hope and our faith fully in Christ Jesus, the ones that are still, those of us that are God's spiritual children, trusting fully in the grace of God that he's given through him, then we will continue to be purified in Christ just as Jesus Christ is pure, holy, and sinless. Which makes sense according to scripture, even as the apostle says in a couple places, just one, 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of of God. As we continue to hope, we're continually purified. If we lose that hope, unfortunately, we'll be unpurified. Paul, Paul says, 1 Corinthians 1.18, for those of us who are being saved, those of us who are continuing to put our hope and our faith in him, are continuing to be saved. And here John tells us that as we continue in our faith, resting our hope fully in him, we are continuing to be saved purified. God sure did give Christians and non-Christians some really amazing news in this scripture through John's hand. Amen? I think he did. I think he did. The awesome news today for everybody, God loves everybody. God has amazing love for all humanity. 
And God desires everyone to be saved in spite of how evil they really are. And desires everyone to accept his offer of salvation through Jesus Christ. For the redeemed, that was for everybody, the offer that's out there to everybody. But for the redeemed, once God redeems you, you or they, whoever they are, become his spiritual children that will become greater than his angels, judging them, not being them, plus makes us kings and priests to God forever. Kings and priests, those who will rule over his kingdom with him, under him, to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That's awesome. Then once a child of God dies abiding in Christ or endures in him until he comes back, they will be resurrected and will get brand new spiritual bodies like the angels and like Jesus Christ has. The scripture was full of good news today. On the downside of things, once God redeems someone, they will probably lose their worldly friends and be strangers and aliens on earth. But weighing the pros and the cons, Jesus Christ and the amazing eternal and forever things he offers people way blows away the loss of whatever you could lose in this life here because all the things in this life are just temporary. I don't know about you, I'd rather live for something I can never lose rather than live for something now that it's only a matter of time before I lose it. I think that accepting the offer God gives people in Christ blows away the temporary things we lose by knowing Jesus Christ. Now, as good of a news as God gave us through John's hand today is, there is a small problem. And especially a kind of a big problem, actually, in America. What does someone have to do to become a spiritual child of God? Many I've met today in my 17 years of knowing Christ who profess to be spiritual children of God, but they don't even know what the Bible says it means to be saved. And they don't even know what it means for, to be redeemed according to the Bible. Many I've asked this simple question. I've asked this simple question. What does it mean to be saved? How do you know you're saved? How do you know you're going to go to heaven when you die? This is the answer they give me. They give me answers like this. I've prayed a prayer one time, or I believe in Jesus. Yet, when I go to the Bible, I don't find these answers as to how people start their journey of salvation in Jesus Christ. So what does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to become a spiritual child of God? The first one we got to know off the bat, John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. And we know again that Jesus said that unless someone is born again, they shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. And we come, become born again, and we become born again through Jesus, because he's the only Way to heaven, John 14, 6. Well, becoming God's spiritual child goes through him. But what does it mean to come through Jesus Christ to become God's spiritual child? Well, look at what Jesus says, since we've got to go through him. Look at what Jesus said as to what it takes in order to become a spiritual child of God. Matthew 16 24 through 27, and you're even going to hear a hint of what we talked about today with Jesus coming again. Then Jesus said to his disciples, 
if anyone, who's anyone? Who's anyone? Well, anyone, that's just not this person or that person. Anyone is everybody and anyone that wants to. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow after me. Coming to Jesus, coming in repentance to Jesus. I, I, I need you, Jesus. Please save me. And then you turn away from your wicked and evil life and you turn to Christ for salvation. This isn't a whole and a just what it is. He goes on to describe it more there in verses 25 and 26. He says, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Hey, you who want to save your earthly life now, well, you're going to lose your eternal life because you want to be the Lord of your own life now. And if you want to save your life and be the Lord of your own life now, then you're going to lose your eternal life. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What does it mean to lose your life. What does Jesus talk about when he's, he talks about losing your life? Does he mean that we have to die? Like somebody has to put a gun to my head and kill me so I can die? Well, of course not. Losing your life means total surrender. I give up. Jesus, man, you know what? I, I need you. I, I, I surrender all to you. Here I am, take me, falling on my knees, surrendering to God, giving Him the total control of my life, and me letting it go. He goes on to say, For what would it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? That's how we know Jesus is speaking about the spiritual concept of becoming God's spiritual child. What would it profit a man if he, get, if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels. We read about that today. And then he will reward each according to his work. And we know that salvation is not by works. But salvation is by you totally surrendering your life to God. Jesus, I'm yours. I don't want this anymore. I need you. And then going to him, surrendering him. As he says, Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Ladies and gentlemen, many people in America believe themselves to be saved, but few that I've met totally live a life surrendered unto Jesus Christ. And truly few I've met have totally surrendered unto him and given him complete control. Most people that I've met, as I said, prideful, arrogant, evil-hearted, you know, money-loving, you know, just full of the world. And Jesus said, follow me. Repent. Turn away from that evil, the evils of the world, and come to follow me. Give your life to me. I want to change you. I don't, you don't, I don't want you to stay this evil person that you are. I want to change you. The Bible talks about when somebody's saved, then God gives them a new heart. 
gives them a new life, a new outlook, changes them. If, if, if any is in Christ, he's a new creation, right? Something new, not the old same sinful, but a new creation. Somebody now is about the things of God. And ladies and gentlemen, as I said earlier, one must be born again and a spiritual child of God in order to have eternal life with Christ forever. Where are you in, your, in, in, in this life? Do you rule your own life? Are you the master of your life? Or do you need Jesus? And is your life surrendered unto him? Is he your Lord? Have you fallen on your face? And do you continue to fall on your face? And you say, Jesus, I need you. Please, Jesus, help me. I need you. Show me how to live this day. I don't even know. God, please help me. I don't even know what I'm doing in life. I need your guidance. Jesus, I need you. Totally falling out before God. Or... Are you just, it's, it's you. It's your way. It's how you want to do things. And you give only maybe just a, a little regard to God every day. That's not the life that God called you to. That's not the life that God wants people to have. God desires all to be saved. God desires all to come to Him. Have you come to Him? Are you still in Him? Have you ever come to Him? God has some good news for God's spiritual children. Those that surrender to His Son, Jesus Christ. Those who choose Jesus Christ in His path. But boy, by golly, the Bible has bad news for people that aren't surrendered unto God. The Bible has bad news for those that decide to, as I just said, what Jesus said. What did He say? Those who desire to save their lives will lose it. Those who want to be the Lord of their own lives. Well, you can be, and God will let you be. But unfortunately, that means that you'll lose your eternal life forever. And you're making your choice to reject God and His path and His way and Jesus Christ, the way to salvation. And you're picking your own path. And you're going to burn in hell forever, unfortunately. Please, ladies and gentlemen, think about where you're at. Think about your life. And think about all the amazing things that God offers to those who surrender to His Son, Jesus Christ. And please, if you're not there, turn and come to Him, as He says in Matthew 11. All who labor and are heavy laden, and He will give you rest. Praise be to God. Let's pray, and I pray that God will work on your heart and that you'll make whatever decisions or whatever choices that He wants you to make, and I pray that those choices will be yours, Lord. Thank you, Lord God, for your word. Thank you, Lord God, for all the amazing, amazing, amazing promises that you have for your children. Not only will we be kings and priests and we're going to judge the angels and we'll be greater than the angels and we're going to be like the angels in a brand new spiritual body, Lord Jesus. We're going to see you face to face, Lord, but we'll also, when we go, we'll have no more pain and no more suffering and no more tears and no more crying. But Lord, we'll, we'll just be with you in paradise forever. I, I pray, Lord God, uh, because Lord, you're really the reason why heaven is such a good place. I pray for all those listening to me out there today, Lord God, that they would choose, Lord, who and ask themselves, who do they serve? Do they serve themselves? 
Or do they serve Jesus? Do they love Jesus? Do they live for Jesus? Or do they live for themselves? And God, if they're not living for you and they don't know you, Lord, but they think they do, Lord, I pray that you would show them the truth and help them to turn to you and help them to repent and follow Jesus. Truly follow Jesus, not just profess you by name. And Lord, truly become changed spiritual children of God. Convict them right now, Lord. Lead them to the cross. And Lord, strengthen all of us, Lord. I pray that the words that I spoke today for all of us that are your spiritual children, Lord God, that they would be encouraging to us. And they would be the dose of like super, super, super vitamins, Lord, that get us through a whole week, Lord, because that good news that we got today from you was really good news. And I pray we would continue to have our hope in you fully until the end. Thank you, Lord God. And I pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Praise God, everyone. It's Pastor Ed here. and Thank you so much for listening to the message. It's my prayer that you were encouraged and challenged with what you heard today to be a doer of God's word and not a hearer only. Because your life will soon be passed and only what you've done for Jesus Christ will last. If you live in the Dallas, Texas area, we want to invite you to come to our little house church here in McKinney, Texas. Sunday mornings, our service is at 1015, and the directions can be found on our website. Also, if you have any prayer requests or questions, or maybe you believe God has called you to support this church financially, please go to gospelsavingchurch.com and click on the appropriate links. I would love to hear from you personally. God loves you very much. Please love Him back by the way you live your life. God bless you, and have a wonderful day.